Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We turn our attention now to President Biden's plan to slow the spread of coronavirus, which includes more federal oversight of vaccination and vaccinating 100 million people in the first 100 days of his administration. And joining us now to assess Biden's plan is epidemiologist and sociologist Nicholas Christakis. And we're going to also get Professor Christakis's thoughts on how and when we might get back to normal and talk about his book, Apollo's Arrow, the profound and enduring impact of coronavirus on the way we live. And welcome, Nicholas Christakis. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Well, I guess I want to talk with you initially about the pandemic and certainly talk about your book as well. As I said, perhaps even the end of the pandemic and where it's all headed. But I would say by way of introduction that you talk uh, really take us back thousands of years ago to the Iliad and to Apollo. And that ties in in ways that are fascinating to me. Um, but let's talk first about what's been proposed, the $10, $20 million package, actually, to uh, halt the spread of the coronavirus. And that includes establishing thousands of community vaccination centers and vaccination uh, for 100 million people in the first 100 days, as I said, of President Obama's administration. Let's assess that plan from your perspective. How viable and how likely is it to really ameliorate the problem? Well, I think one of the things that's so surprising is that the Biden administration is recommending the implementation of very basic things. I mean, even apart from the vaccines, there are all the other so-called non-pharmaceutical interventions, you know, the masking and the physical distancing and the testing, all of these things. And basically the things that they're recommending are very standard things. And it's only their absence in the last nine months that makes it remarkable that the recommendation of standard practices is now seen as some kind of you know, tremendous improvement. Um, yeah, forgive me. In fact, there was an article in the New York Times by Ezra Klein, who many of our listeners know, uh, has a rather uh, often listened to podcast where he said uh, most of these recommendations are just things that should have been done during the Trump administration and weren't done. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. But there is one thing new on the scene, and that is the vaccine, which, you know, um, it, it's we are the first generation of human beings to have confronted this ancient threat of plague that has been able to, in real time, develop a specific countermeasure. It is truly miraculous that we have a vaccine, you know, 10 months into the um, uh, the, the, the uh, arrival of this germ in our midst. But it, the discovery of the vaccine is only the first step. Now we, of course, have to manufacture hundreds of millions of doses. We have to um, distribute those doses, which is not trivial. There are all kinds of difficulties. The, the vaccine has to be kept ultra cold, the, the mRNA vaccines, those ones, have to be kept ultra cold from the moment of manufacture to the moment of injection. So every truck, every warehouse, every little clinic that is distributing them has to have super duper freezers and so on. And most importantly, we have to persuade enough Americans, at least 50% 
but the more the better to take the vaccines. So the Biden administration on the vaccine front is appropriately really targeting as rapidly as possible getting vaccines in arms. Uh, and I think that that's for several reasons. First of all, they want to show the American people that they can do something and getting an injection is something very obvious that the government is helping you with. But also there's a compelling public health reason, which is that the longer we allow the virus to circulate, the more opportunities we give the virus to have a mutation that could make things even worse for us. So once you start vaccinating, you don't want to have like partial, um, partial vaccination, which in a way, given the large numbers of people, if you partially vaccinate them, it creates the environment where the germ could mutate to be even worse for us. So once you start, you really want to go all out. And I think that they are properly doing that. They are properly targeting to do that. But as you kind of suggest, we have these variants now that are making transmission even uh, more profound in many ways. And we've also got, uh, I think I heard you in uh, an interview speak again about herd immunity, which many people, of course, uh, constantly try to interpret. Uh, mm -hmm. You gave a figure out of 40% to get to herd immunity? No, so, so what happens is, is, is this the herd immunity is the idea that a population of people can be immune to a condition, even if not every single individual within the population is immune. So for example, if you think about California and the measles outbreaks, if you have 96% of the people vaccinated against measles, even if one of the 4% non-immune people gets a case of measles somehow, they can't really cause an epidemic because they have no one to spread it to. Everyone they interact with by and large is immune. So it's only when the threshold drops a little, when you get to say 94, 92, or 90% of the people vaccinated, now measles can have a toehold and can create outbreaks. That threshold, the fraction of people you need to have vaccinated depends, or immune, depends on uh, how infectious, how communicable the disease is. So, so the more communicable it is, like measles is the most contagious disease we know, the larger the fraction of people you need to get vaccinated. And there's a mathematical formula you can use to compute this threshold. And if you use that formula for the current variants of, of SARS-CoV-2, about 67% of Americans would need to be vaccinated. But there's some other wrinkles in there which we don't necessarily need to go into, which have to do with the fact that not everyone is the same. Different people interact more or less extensively with others. And if you take that into account, the, the minimum percentage drops to, let's say, 50%. So for herd immunity, for us to really take the wind out of the sails of this pathogen, and let's be clear, even if we do that, it doesn't mean the pathogen is eradicated. The, the germ is still there. It can still kill people. It still infects people. It just means when you get to that minimum threshold, let's say of 50%, you take the wind out of the sails. You can't get epidemics anymore. And of course, as Tony Fauci has said, the more the better. Like the more Americans we get vaccinated, the more rapidly and the easier it will be for us to return to life as normal. Talking with Nicholas Christakis, uh, physician, sociologist, and Sterling Professor of Social and Natural Science at Yale, and also the author of Apollo's Arrow. And I want to talk with you about your book because uh, it's a stunning metaphor to think of Apollo with those poison arrows afflicting humankind and then uh, ultimately, you know, saving them or deciding to put his arrows back in the quiver. Uh, where are Hera and Achilles going to be? I mean, they're the ones who intervened and saw to it that uh, he would put his uh, down his bow after about 10 months. And now when you think of the pandemic being uh, starting around July, we're just about there really. Um, I'm thinking not only about uh, 
where we can go to see the end of this pandemic, if it will end and under what circumstances it will end. But uh, how do you see us on the other side of it? Well, I think I think of this epidemic, if you look at the history of epidemics and if you study the epidemiology of this pathogen, I think we can divide this uh, epidemic into three phases. The first immediate phase we're still in the middle of. So I need to emphasize that from my perspective, uh, uh, and please don't shoot the messenger. Uh, from my perspective, we're not at the uh, beginning of the end of this pandemic. We're, we're just at sort of the end of the beginning of the pandemic. So only about 15% of Americans have so far been infected. Uh, the germ is going to keep going and going and infect people. Meanwhile, we're going to try to outstrip it by distributing the vaccine. And either way, we need to get to at least 50% of people that are immune, either artificially because of vaccination or naturally because they've become infected. So I think we have, and that'll think either way, it'll take about a year before we reach that threshold. So I think we have another year of the immediate uh, uh, impact of this pathogen. And during this time, I think we're still gonna be wearing masks. We're still gonna have to physical distance. I, I noticed that the president is emphasizing mask wearing for Pete's sake. This is such a simple thing we can do to help ourselves and help our society. We really should be doing this thing. It'll help stand up our economy. It'll help save lives and so on. He's but not anyway, only emphasizing it, he's actually mandating it in, in federal buildings and on federal yes, land. Yeah. in federal, but that reach is limited. Really what yeah. we need is, is to get everyone sort of on board with this idea. But the point is, uh, if we want to minimize the damage that we're going to endure, and we are going to endure more damage, unfortunately, I think between half a million and a million Americans are going to die because of this many of those needless deaths because of the incompetent way we have dealt with the pandemic. But again, the point is we are going to have at least another year where we have the kind of opening act of the virus among us. I mean, you have to look at it from the perspective of the virus. The virus is having what's called an ecological release. It's like uh, an invasive species. And we are providing the terrain for which this virus is just, you know, having a field day, our bodies, because we don't really have material natural immunity to this pathogen. So, so the, the opening act is going to go until the end of 2021, I think minimum, by the time we manufacture, distribute, and persuade people to take the vaccine, or meanwhile, the vaccine infects people. And then we're going to enter, I think, the intermediate period, which will, if you look at centuries of epidemics, will also probably last a couple of years till the end of 2023. These are all approximate, but you get the idea. And that period of time is the period in which we are going to be recovering from the psychological and social and economic and even clinical shock of the pathogen. Because let's not forget, some people have short COVID, some people have long COVID, that is to say the duration of their symptoms of their acute illness, but then, you know, they recover. But some fraction of people, regardless of whether they have short or long COVID, are going to be disabled from the condition. Perhaps as many as five times as many people will be dis have some kind of disability, uh, renal insufficiency, uh, pulmonary fibrosis, uh, pancreatic problems, uh, uh, cardiac or neurological problems, which will be of long duration. So if half a million to a million Americans die, we can think of two and a half to five million Americans having some kind of disability. So we're going to have a lot of disabled people that are need healthcare. We're going to have millions of children that are going to be recovering uh, from the loss of school. We have tens of millions of Americans out of work. We have millions of businesses that have closed. It's not going to be instantaneous, some kind of recovery. Our, it's going to take time for us to cope with this as a nation. 
I'm thinking as you're speaking, uh, Professor Christakis, about Ron Klain, uh, Biden's chief of staff, warning that the death toll is going to pass 500,000 by the end of uh, February, but he said it's not going to end there. And uh, it gets pretty grim when we talk about it. I want to actually offer an opportunity for listeners to join us to talk with our guest, Nicholas Christakis, who's physician, sociologist, and Sterling Professor of Social and Natural Science at Yale and author of Apollo's Arrow. Little time left, but if you want to get in here with a question or comment, please feel free to do that. And really, one of the questions I'd ask is, uh, what do you What are your questions about the coronavirus and getting back to normal? You can give us a call now at our toll-free number. The number to call is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us right now on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. And a listener named Lila wants to know whether you can comment on information that there may be new variants of the virus which the vaccines may not target. Yes, that's a very active area. Uh, it, it, the bottom line is, in some people, it may be the case that certain variants uh, reduce the efficacy of the vaccine somewhat. So that's a very iffy, iffy, iffy kind of statement, I know. But uh, so far, we don't have evidence that there are variants that uh, completely evade the vaccine and uh, are causing significant problems. But but more generally, I think it's likely, and most experts feel it's likely that this uh, coronavirus like this may, for a number of 10 or 20 years, be a period, maybe a little bit like influenza viruses, where we have to periodically be, get re-injected, uh, or uh, you know, like tetanus shots, that you get boosters every so often. We may need to be revaccinated eventually, but we don't need to figure that out just yet. Well, there's lots to figure out beyond that. And uh, I'm just wondering about the concern that you expressed, which I think is a concern about a lot of people about the ultimate lasting or enduring effects this can have, especially on children not being in school, but also uh, aside from maybe their closest loved ones not having any kind of experience being hugged or touched by relatives and even friends, and for that matter. Uh, I mean, it's, um, it's something that at this point is very difficult to calculate or really reckon with, isn't it? Yes, I mean, I think that this is one of the things that's interesting, and I think we have to understand, this is what contagious disease, serious contagious diseases do and have always done. They, These pathogens take our lives, they take our livelihoods, they take our way of life from us. and uh, But they end, they do end. And earlier I was laying out, you know, several phases that I think around 2024 we'll enter the post-pandemic period. And then I think in many ways, we're going to have the roaring 20s of the 21st century. I think life will largely return to normal. Uh, You know, there'll be some persistent changes in our society that the germ has wrought. Uh, Some of these will involve, you know, obvious things like change in business travel habits, uh, different sorts of technologies that we have and so on. But I think we're going to have a bit of a roaring 20s experience with an efflorescence of the arts, a, a kind of people relentlessly seeking out social interactions. I think we'll have a booming economy. I think we'll have a kind of entrepreneurship. I think people will have been cooped up for quite a while, one way or the other, psychologically and practically, and will um, experience a sense of release, I think, or, you know, sometime uh, around the end of 2023. I mean, it's not a hard and fast moment in time. Anyway, but even so, there will be some persistent changes in our society. We can't go through what we've gone through and have as many as I s- said in in the book, I said as many as a million deaths. Yeah, let um, me bring a caller on here while we have yeah. a little time here. Uh, we got Hayen joining us from Oakland. Hayen, join us, please. Hi. 
Hi. Good morning. I had a question about vaccinations for children. I have a four-year-old, and to my knowledge, vaccines, um, he's not eligible for a vaccine, and I'm just wondering if that will ever change. Uh, we don't have, we haven't done the randomized controlled trials yet for children. They will be the last to get the vaccines, which I think is sensible in many ways. They are at the lowest risk of serious d disease or death if they do get infected. Uh, and I think in a, probably in about a year, we will have studies that answer your question as to whether it makes sense to vaccinate children. And if, eventually, if it is sensible, this will be recommended. But I don't think it's necessary to, to worry about that just yet. Another question from a listener who wants to know, what about global immunity? How can we achieve immunity within our borders when people at large beyond our borders haven't been vaccinated? And I noticed that uh, President Biden is moving us back into the World Health Organization. I don't know if that plays into what you might provide as an answer for us. Uh, Professor Christakis, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's absolutely the right emphasis. We are, you know, the richest country or one of the richest countries in the world. We have a strong stake in a stable global order, in, in having suppliers from other countries and markets in other countries. I think we have an interest in vaccinating the whole world, and I think we will eventually get to that. You know, we're prioritizing vaccinating within our borders, but the whole world has an interest in getting the as many people on the globe vaccinated as possible. It's not going to be possible to eradicate this disease. I think we happen to be alive at a once-in-a-century moment when a new serious global pathogen has been introduced into our midst. And this virus is gonna circulate among us forever. So we're gonna to have to cope with it, not just nationally, but internationally. Yeah, I think you put it best when you said, uh, we're still a moving target and it's brought the world to heel. And let me bring another caller on. Danny joins us from San Diego. Danny, welcome. Yes, hi, I was just wanting to ask the doctor how long the immunity will last once you get the vaccine, and I'll uh, take my answer off the air. Thanks. I want to thank you for that question, Danny. Dr. Christakis? There's been a lot of confusion about this, people noticing that uh, after you're infected naturally or after you're vaccinated, that eventually the circulating antibody levels go down. There's nothing surprising about that. Your body doesn't make antibodies endlessly for every germ it's ever been exposed to, that would be wasteful. What it does is it, it retains something known as memory immunity, such that if you encounter the pathogen again, you can mount an effective response. There's no way to be 100% sure about that the, the power and duration of memory immunity in response to natural infection with SARS-CoV-2 or the vaccine for it. We just have to wait for the passage of time, but there are no indications yet that this is going to be a serious problem. I think that both natural and artificial immunity due to vaccination is likely to be effective and sustained um, uh, sufficiently so that we don't yet have to worry about that problem. We will leave it there. Uh, it's very good to have had you with us, and I appreciate your being with us. Nicholas Christakis, again, is the author of Apollo's Arrow, The Profound and Enduring Impact of Coronavirus on the Way We Live, and it's been praised by a couple of my favorite guests through the years, Paul Farmer, who calls it astonishing, and Daniel Gilbert, who calls it a must-must-read. And uh, Professor Christakis is also the author of Blueprint. Good to have you with us, Nicholas Christakis. Thank you so much for having me. And we're here with you Monday through Friday, 9 to 11. An hour is repeated, 10 to 11 in the evening. You can always let us know what you think about what you hear on Forum or would like to hear by emailing us, forum at kqed.org. And for all of us here at KQED, please stay safe. I'm Michael Krasny. 
funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.